The reason why she has nothing left in the tank is because she cares about everybody else. And the woman who has so much in her tank and has boundaries, it's not that she's selfish. It's that she's learned her lesson. And she's probably like me and almost had to die to figure that out. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Heather Chauvin is a TEDx speaker, host of the podcast Emotionally Uncomfortable, and author of Dying to Be a Good Mother, How I Dropped the Guilt and Took Control of My Parenting and My Life. Heather has an amazing story to share with us about her journey, and I hope you find it as compelling and inspiring as I do. So welcome to the show, Heather. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Erin. I am so excited. I love meeting new people and podcasting is such a magical place to be. I'm so excited to have you on today because this is such an important topic to talk about. And so we're going to talk about why it's so important for women to stop holding themselves to this impossible standard of perfection, particularly in motherhood, but in life as well. And men and dads, we are not leaving you out of this episode because men and dads have their own impossible standards and changing roles in our modern society. And so it's going to be really important going forward that we really learn how to communicate and work together for creating the family life that works for each individual family. And how we can start embracing our own wants, needs, and goals and making space for them. So we're going to take the audience on this journey with you because there's so much wisdom that came out of this 
that you can share that you share in your book. And I would love to just start open the audience up to. My first question for you is, what was being a good mom or a great mom? What did that look like to you before this big awakening that you had? So I was 18 when I became a mother. Wow. And I remember looking at my son thinking, I don't want to become a statistic. And I never wanted him to feel the way that I felt as a child. And so all of a sudden, this like unconscious stress, unconscious fear, right, was the driver, was the motivator. And it started to push, push, push me. Can I back you up for a second? When you say I don't want to be a statistic, what does that mean to you? So what I meant from that at that age of 18 was what people expected me to become, right? So I'm 18, I'm a teen, I'm a teen mom. It's like, oh, she's going to end up on government assistance. She's not going to go get her education. She's now quote unquote failed at life. And people would say that to me all the time. And I would see how they would like dim, I guess the expectation of who I could become the possibilities for me. Now I could see that that wall just got smaller and smaller and smaller. Now that I was a mother and the inner rebel in me was like fighting back and be like, no, I'm, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you. But I was also operating from a place of fear because my deepest fear was that I was actually going to fail as a mother. Mm -hmm. And because that was my deepest fear, I had this fear as a driver. And I have this ambition to like make an impact to, to do more, become more, do all the things. And here I am with this duality of like, not feeling good inside, like not actually feeling that success that I want and desire on the inside. And so I got educated. I got the job. I used to be a social worker and, um, born and bred to, to be front lines and to give, 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 give anyone in healthcare understands that that is your job. I'm making an impact in the world. I really love the work that I'm doing. And yet there was something inside of me that was like, not this, not this, not this, right? Everyone has those not this moments where you're really pursuing what you think you want in your life. But there's a part of you that's saying like, whoa, like I'm burnt out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I'm fatigued. Um, I'm working really, really hard with little ROI, or there's a disconnect in your relationships or you have your health is deteriorating. Had nine years of this personal development journey where I was like, and I invested, Aaron, this is where the crazy part is. I read the books. I listened to podcasts before they were cool. I (laughs) had the mentors. I attended the retreats. And, but I kept telling myself like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And people were patting me on the back, telling me that I was a good mom. They're like, wow, you're super mom. Like, look at you. You're so good. But that inner journey, that inner knowing, that inner wisdom was like, not this, not this. Like you want more and you want to feel really, really good. And so I kept pushing and I kept pushing and I kept doing, and I just became more and more and more disconnected with myself. But I convinced myself that I was okay because I was being of service to other people, whether it was working or my kids or whatever that was. Nine years ago, when I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer, I was actually like in the startup phase of my business. So let's say a year-ish in, and I was starting to make money. And I remember needing to make money. I didn't have the privilege or opportunity to like not make any money in my business because my husband needed 
financial support, right? We needed to be a dual income family. So I remember feeling angry and frustrated. And then that like security is gone. And the only way out was through. But I started noticing with my clients that I would talk to them about parenting. Like that's why they hired me. But they would say things to me like, Heather, I don't have time to implement. I don't have the energy. My marriage is falling apart. My career is falling apart. And something something is out of alignment. I'm like, okay, but we're here focused on parenting. Like that's what we're focused on. And after my cancer diagnosis, when I was in recovery and I was still working with people, I said, okay, enough is enough. We need to stop pretending that this is only about the children. We need to stop pretending that we can't create space for ourselves. We need to stop pretending that our needs don't matter. And that was really when I started asking the question of like, how do I want to feel? And I never once said, I want to feel like never, (laughs) never once. I've never heard anybody say that. And so that's where I kind of, you know, went on this quest for how do I want to feel? I want to feel alive and energized. And so how do I cultivate and create a life that feels that way? And I've been teaching women ever since how to reverse engineer that. That is so profound. And I saw that quote on another podcast, something very similar. And I was like, that is so such an important part of this because, you know, parenting is about parents. It's really not about kids. Yeah. And there's so much work that has to go on with us so that we can show up for them in the ways that we want. But it really comes back to us. And are we fulfilling our own needs? Are we, if we're not getting our needs met, we cannot, you know, put on your own, what are the, what is it, the air? Oxygen mask. Oxygen mask yeah. first. You have to, if you can't, if you're not getting enough oxygen, you can't help your kids get enough oxygen. And I see parents do the same thing. Just sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Because this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. A good mother self-sacrifices, you know, the giving tree from Shel Silverstein until I have nothing left. I'm a stump. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy for ourselves. And it's not healthy example to our kids as they grow up. And we end up with nothing left to give anyone. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about balancing this now. So balancing our lives with motherhood and work-life alignment. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what gender you identify as we all struggle with work-life balance, right? Like all humans are challenged with it because we all have different societal expectations. Do we need to be the provider? Do we need to be the nurturer? Do we have children? Do we not have children? If you don't have children, are you overcompensating? Like all the things, right? And the bias and expectation from you of who you need to be. So my core is beyond the hats that I wear, beyond the titles, beyond my identity, How do I want to feel as a human? And if I can identify how I want to feel, which is usually alive and energized and impactful and living on purpose, then everything that comes to me, I get to say, is this in alignment or how can I do this more in alignment? So a simple example is, you know, I've had a huge growth season in my life and there's been a lot of overwhelm and a lot of like, you know, oh, I'll just get through, I'll just get through, like saying yes to things and then checking them all off and going, okay, this is not in alignment, right? You can be out of alignment. So I think there's a lot of perfection that we put onto balance. Like there's a perfect way to do it. And I'm like, no, there's no perfection here. You don't get to, like perfection doesn't exist. That's ego. So you have to be willing and open to like say, 
am I living in alignment and am I just using my excuses to continue to push through because I want to avoid my feelings or am I willing to run towards how I want to feel? And if you're willing to run towards how you want to feel because you see that the contrast or the pain is worse than actually the discomfort of feeling a feeling and that temporary discomfort, you'll do the work. But I always tell people, get clear on how you want to feel. Make a list, like a tiny, tiny list of 10-minute habits that you can start. Put those on the calendar first and then start to pay attention to why you're not following through. So if you're like, okay, every day I put a 10-minute you know, walk on my calendar and you decide, oh, I just can't do that. Well, what got in your way? Because that, that is where the magic happens. Because is it that you need help with boundaries? Is it that you need help with more time and energy management? Is it that you don't value yourself enough? Because if we aren't looking on the inside of like, I'm expecting the world to value me, but I don't value and respect me, then we're never going to feel the way that we want to feel. So it's definitely never an easy answer, but it's all about getting clear on how you want to feel and then reverse engineering that. And then when it doesn't work, because it won't, it won't go perfectly. (laughs) We pay attention to the contrast and we go, why did that happen? How come I'm overwhelmed again? And we have to realize we have to give ourselves grace with our brain. You know, we have coping strategies. We have ways of being. We have years and decades and generations of unlearning and relearning. We will get back to more of my conversation with Heather right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than HomeThreads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is 
the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back, right back into the conversation with Heather Chauvin. I can relate with, to so much of what you're talking about here. A couple of things that struck me while, while you were talking is talking about being able to get emotionally uncomfortable because for a lot of women, especially setting boundaries is really uncomfortable yeah. to be able to say, I deserve this time for myself. I deserve to be able to carve out some time and do something for me. And I don't have to be present for every single practice and, you know, gymnastics class. And it's okay for me to say no, or it's okay for me to take some time out and do something for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think our culture has really messed that up too, because, you know, children have gone from being seen and not heard. And then typically what happens is we do the cultural swing, right? Where now children Mm -hmm. are the center of everything. And they're like, don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to pick up my socks. You want me to do what? I'm not going to do that. I mean, you go on Instagram and you can see people making jokes about it. And yet we teach people how to treat us. And I don't know why we're not stopping and listening and saying, does that work for me? A lot of the books that you read, and of course, they all have their own criticism and debates about it. But like a lot of the conscious parenting books that you read or gentle parenting or anything, it's going to tell you that like right across the board, role modeling is the way to go. I'm the type of person that will read 10 different books. And then I pay attention to like, what is the through line, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, everyone's talking about role modeling. So if I want my children to become their best self and live their best life, and I'm sacrificing so much for them to gain the self-esteem and to get the best education, but they have no life skills and they have no self-esteem, and I'm just throwing money at the problem or I'm trying to just fix their problems, how am I going to teach my children about fear of failure? How am I going to teach my children about courage? How am I going to teach my children about sitting with their uncomfortable emotions like anger or guilt. I have to lead. I have to first take the action and the initiative. And when I go and look back on my parenting journey at 18, when I said I didn't want to become a statistic, then I needed to not become a statistic. Like I needed to do the work not to become a statistic. And it has been so emotionally uncomfortable, which is why my podcast is called Emotionally Uncomfortable. When I was starting this personal development journey and this parenting journey, I felt like I was failing because I had feelings. I would get very angry while I was taking action and I was trying to work, you know, for 30 minutes, work on my dreams. And then my child is crying and nobody else is here to take care of them. And I didn't have enough money for, you know, somebody to watch my child, or I would send them off to daycare and I'd feel tremendous guilt. And I felt like I was failing because I had feelings. And I don't think we talk about that enough. Because everything wasn't warm and fuzzy all the time. No. If I want to get to that freedom and that joy, I got to have boundaries. 
I have to have boundaries with myself. I have to have boundaries with my time. I have to have boundaries with my energy. And I think the reason why we have such resistance to that is because the stories we tell ourselves that if I have boundaries, I'm being mean to other people. I'm letting them down. I'm disappointing them. And that's the work that we have to do. But I just, I invite everybody to stop making it about self-care and stop and start making it about what is the bigger vision? Like, what is the ROI? Like, what do you want as a result of this work? It's not just about feeling good. When I feel good, I'm setting an example for my boys. I'm raising three boys. So I don't (laughs) even have a girl in my house, but they're going to marry someone one day, male, female, who knows? And, but they have friends and I can be a part of the conversation for the next generation. I can be an inspiration to my friends. I can be an inspiration to the women that listen to my podcast or read my book. And that's part of my why. So when I don't want to do something for myself, I really got to show up for me. And it's not about me. It's about all of us. So when we make it about ourselves, I I really don't know many women that are like wildly egotistical and like selfish, you know, the like self-care is selfish. I've never actually met a woman like that. The reason why she has nothing left in the tank is because she cares about everybody else. And the woman who has so much in her tank and has boundaries it's not that she's selfish. It's that she's learned her lesson and she's probably like me and almost had to die to figure that out. Wow. Yeah. Well, you were talking about the life skills is extremely important. I talk about that a lot. Like I want my kids to grow up and be able to take care of themselves. So that's really important, but also the example of what does it look like to set a healthy boundary and hold it so that they know what healthy boundaries look like when they are in relationships as adults with partners with friends with bosses yeah. who are trying to make them, you know, stay 14 hour days. I want them to know how to set a, a healthy boundary and what that looks like. And so, you know, that's a practice that is also important to have in our home and to say, no, this is what I need right now. This is what I need to do. You know, I can't take you to play tennis with your friend right now. I can take you in an hour, whatever that is, but it's important to set those boundaries and, you know, for them to have those skills to go out in life and be able to take care of themselves. I'm not going to parent them forever. <laughs> I'm only going to parent them, you know, until they can take a, take it on themselves. So yeah. these are all really important things. I want to give you an example. So my boys are 17, 12, and 10. And I've been at this personal development journey, like I said, since my oldest was almost born. And I remember around four, that's when I started in getting into personal development from a parent perspective. But before that, I was going to traditional ways, like trying to go to a pediatrician and being like, what's wrong with my child's behavior? (laughs) And they're like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. Or going to therapy and just feeling so lost, right? And then going into the bookstore. But my son is 17. He's transitioning into adulthood. He has one more year left of high school. Number one, It makes me want to cry, but I can feel the great, great sadness and grief that I have to process Mm -hmm. to know that my first child, my firstborn is going to spread his wings and fly. That feels so sad to me. And it also brings me right back to like my 18 year old self. And I'm like, oh, there's some stuff that needs to be healed there. Right? Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of personal stuff that's mine to manage and to heal. But number two is One of his, you know, he wants to be this responsible young man. And one of his sticking points is getting up in the morning. That's just never been his thing. And I know that that's very common for teenagers, but that's just his thing, having a hard time getting up. Ironically, 
people would perceive me as an early riser, (laughs) but I don't jump up out of bed. And sometimes it's really, really hard for me to get out of bed. And so when I look at those behaviors, I'm like, how can I yell at my child if all I want to do is hit snooze? And it's not about role modeling and becoming and doing, but it's having compassion and empathy of like, I can see that you're struggling and I'm struggling too. So how can we co-create and figure this out together? And so this morning, as an example, I got up early and I did not want to get out of bed, but I made him my why. And I got out of bed and I got him out of bed and he was putting up a fight. And he's like, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. And we actually have a cold plunge in our garage. And at 630 in the morning, my 17 year old did a 10 second cold plunge. And I did one too. And I was like, so uncomfortable, emotionally uncomfortable. And I was just so proud of him. And it makes me want to cry because we have to realize that our children are people too. They're struggling. It doesn't matter if they're 2, 10, 17, 30, 40, 50. They're people too. And when we can show up for them, we need to first learn how to show up for ourselves so we can co-create life together. That's beautiful. And that's something we really start to see as they age because they really start to come into their own. But you're so right, like seeing them as a person, even from their earliest ages, they're really their own person. They have so many of their own needs and wants and ideas and talents that are just going to start to flourish as we help them work towards that. So that's really beautiful to co-create together. I love that. My oldest is about to be 14. So we have a little bit more time, but I see it coming too. It's hap- yeah. It's goes so fast. Like you just, it, I don't know what that like downhill point is, maybe 10 or whatever, but it just feels like, oh, wow. We are sliding fast into adulthood here. And just the the amount of growth, you know, the, the toddler years are so much explosion, but the teenage years rival that. Actually, I think they've found that scientifically there's even more development, brain development during the teenage years than the toddler years. So 100%. It is amazing to see the explosion. Like my 14-year-old, now almost 14-year-old, is he's turning into like a friend almost. I still am his mom and I still parent him and set boundaries, but he talks to me so much about so much in his life and we co-create his future. He's in charge of what he wants, where he wants to go, but I'm there to support him in what that looks like for him. And so what do you want? What do you need? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And we're talking about high school where he's going to go to high school and why. So to be that co-creator with our kids and get to that point is really incredible. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to talk a little bit about, because you touched on this earlier, and I had this as one of my questions about this alignment with our life. And so we talk a lot about that with women, and I think it is a particular struggle for us, but men are coming more into the fold of parenting than they ever have. And I think as a society, we're really evolving into this balance and men are trying to balance. And there's so many stressors on them about how they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to show up at work. And so for them to say, I want to go see my son's baseball game today and leave early. So is there a difference that you see about the way men and women approach this alignment with their life or different struggles just societally that men and women are having with this process? I think I'm noticing it more and more because I'm surrounded by so many men um, and boys and just watching and observing like my three boys and my husband. But there's one thing that my husband says to me all the time, which is you've been at this longer than me. That's what he says all the time. And mean the growth journey, the growth journey. Okay. And I have learned over and over and over again, just by watching all the boys around me, their communication style, 
you know, feelings are weakness, all of that from, from a little boy perspective of culturally how they are raised, not just in the home, but at school and media and all of that. Um, but a lot of my clients, I just actually had someone this morning post on social media because I had a reel that talked about, you know, how we need to change the conversation for women. And she said her husband, one of her kids was sick yesterday and her husband called in sick to be at home with her son. And everyone, all the employees were asking, like, are you okay? Like that was a radical decision for a man to take a sick day because his kids are sick and not for the woman to do that. Right. And I thought, it's just mind blowing to me that that is so radical, but to realize the courage that that takes and the forward thinking one for maybe even the partner to say like, I need your help. I can't be the one to take a sick day and to take on all of this stuff. And then two, for him to have the courage to actually create, like to, to speak, because just like there isn't equal pay, there also is not equal um, gender roles when even in the workplace, right? So everyone's so concerned about women and work-life balance, but they're not even talking about men and work-life balance. So I could just see the shame and the guilt that men carry and hold because they know that their female partners, if they have a female partner, is carrying all of that. And yet they can't take a lot of it off of the plate because one, they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to ask. And maybe she's not willing to let go. Um, and they live in a culture that that just keeps the cycle going. So you know, men and women are struggling and we need to have open dialogue and conversation about that. And raising boys, it it's something that I think about all the time because as a woman, I can only preach so much. Um, but I, you know, my boys need to see more men stepping up to the plate as well. Yeah, I had uh, just an example when our twins were born. So we have our oldest was 20 months old. Our twins were born. So that's a lot of little people to take care of. And you have a C-section and you've got twin babies and a toddler and men are entitled to the same leave family leave as women are. And, but when I asked my husband at the time to take that leave with me to help get everything situated for the first three months at home, he said, I can't, even though he was by law entitled to it. He said, if I take that kind of leave, I will will not be seen as someone serious at work, serious about my job. Yeah. I won't be considered for a promotion. I'll just be seen as a dad, you know, which is so sad to say, but on the family and not at the office. And there really needs to be a, a shift because then, of course, that burdened me quite a bit as the primary caretaker at home with three really small people. I also I have arthritis. And so I was on fire from my clavicle all the way down to the tips of my fingers because I'm snapping babies in and out of all kinds of apparatuses and I'm holding them and I'm carrying them in car seats. And I was just, I would, he would leave for work and I would be crying because I'm like, how am I going to care for these babies today? I physically feel like I can't manage it. So yeah. Yeah. And that puts a, that puts a lot of pressure on families, right? Puts a lot of pressure on relationships. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? My hands are tied. And you know, you can have opinion, but it's like, there's so much more at play that we want to think doesn't matter, but it really, really does matter. And I don't, I think it's many, many courageous conversations that need to be had in order for the culture change to happen. So I want to dig in just a couple more questions. I want to dig in a little bit deeper to give our parents a place to start. Like if you're in this place where you're just overwhelmed and you're like, okay, this is not working. I'm not showing up for myself 
and then not showing up for my kids in ways that I feel like are really important or that are in alignment. And sometimes I think people don't even know what is my true north. I think that just gets lost. Like we just bury it. What are some questions that people can start asking themselves to start getting more in alignment? Yeah. So I'm actually, at the time of this recording, I'm doing a 10 minute habit challenge. And the first question that I ask people to do is a journal prompt called, wouldn't it be nice if? So I feel like a mentor gave this to me forever ago. And I love this question because I usually put a timer on and I go to it again and again and again, because it gives me permission to like, it's not as confronting as saying, what do you want? Right. (laughs) I always think of the movie, the notebook. What do you want? What do you want? (laughs) And he's like, like, I don't know. I don't know. But it was like, wouldn't it be nice if, and you start asking your soul, like, wouldn't it be nice if I could have a glass of water? Wouldn't it be nice if I could go outside? And you're just sitting with yourself and you're really getting clear on like, what is it that you actually want? And then I want you to pay attention to like, what are the feeling words around that? So you're going to notice that you're like energized, spacious, alive, abundant, free. And then you have to keep those as your North star. And see how you can start to manage your time and energy around those feelings. It doesn't happen overnight. But like, you know, are you hanging out with people that are allowing you to feel free and alive and challenged and abundant? Are you hanging out with people that are sucking life out of you? And sometimes we have to hang out with people like you're you're never going to be able to avoid every single human. But like, what else are you putting on your plate that's giving you life, that's giving you energy? Because when you say I'm overwhelmed, I'm chronically fatigued, that's a symptom. That is not an identity. That is like a symptom to a bigger rooted problem that you actually have more control of than you give yourself permission to believe. That is so true. That is a, that it's a symptom. It's not a, an identity that's really important to keep in mind because people do start to identify with being so tired, overworked, overwhelmed, stressed, and let go of that as an identity and let it just be a symptom of something else so you can dig into what's going on underneath. Mm-hmm. So I had this question here and I, we probably talked about it a little bit, but if there's anything else, so we've done the journal prompt, wouldn't it be nice if, and so now we want to start stepping into this. What are like some, just like initial step or initial steps that we can start to take to start to get more in alignment with our, our true North? Oh man. I mean, I'm thinking about my book. There's a lot in the book that I talk about. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's like the book you're going to get a lot more, but just like a little teaser to get us started. (laughs) What's coming up for me is like, I call it a giving detox. So I started this uh, post-treatment when I was diagnosed. And I remember saying, no, thank you. I don't have the capacity for that right now to everything. Um, And I did it on purpose to make myself uncomfortable. So, you know, when you go to the grocery store and they're like, would you like to donate a dollar, right? To whatever. And you, you kind of say yes, because you feel guilty and there's people behind you and you're like, yeah, sure. I'll round up. And yeah, your dollar may make an Im- a big impact, but maybe you're the type of person that's like, no, we make a huge donation one time a year to a specific thing. And that's my charity of choice. But you have these like little tiny energy leaks. I call it a giving a giving detox because I said, no, thank you. And every time I go to the grocery store, I say, no, thank you now. And every time they're like, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? Because I give a lot. I really give a lot, but I give it intentionally and I give it a lot in alignment with my bigger vision. And so, you know, sometimes if I have cash on me, I'll give it out or something like that. But see, this is me trying to justify 
But at the same time, (laughs) in that moment, I say, no, thank you. And then when my guilt comes up, I have to sit with my guilt. Mm. And the whole point is when you say, no, thank you, or I don't have the capacity for that because you're like, I really don't want to, I don't have the time, but you keep saying yes, yes, yes. You have to realize that what you're doing is busying yourself to avoid your feelings. And so that's another thing that I would suggest for people is like, no, thank you. I don't have the capacity right now. And just like to honor, to learn how to honor your space, honor those boundaries. Because when you do that, you're giving so much more to the other people on the other side as well. Very nice. That That's beautiful. And I can definitely relate to that grocery store comment because then you're giving like just, well, one out of guilt, but two, it's not intentional. It's just like, oh, I have to do this or I'm supposed to do this or I'm expected to do this. And because it's a person asking you, you're like, I'm a jerk if I don't say yes, if I don't give yeah. that dollar, what's a dollar? No big deal. Right. So, but giving intentionally is much more important. It's much more in alignment than just doing it out of feeling guilty. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This was wonderful. If you want to learn more about Heather and her messages and her amazing journey and the great wisdom that she has been through and shares with others, you can follow her on Instagram at Heather Chauvin. That's C-H-A-U-V-I-N. Also her book, Dying to be a Good Mother, How I Dropped the Guilt and Took Control of My Parenting and My Life, available on Amazon. I know because I saw it there and um, I know it's available on Audible, which I love because I don't have time. So I love to listen to books when I'm driving to go pick up my kids somewhere. It's the perfect time. So I love Audible as a busy mom. I think that's a great way to ingest great new information. Yeah, you can buy it anywhere books are sold online. There's a whole bunch of like independent bookstores and things like that. I am super active on my podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable. And I love it when people listen to other podcasts and then go find me. So you're welcome to find me on Instagram, uh, like you said, Aaron, and send me a private message and let me know where you heard me as well. Um, And we always have free challenges coming up. I love giving away a lot of value and letting people know that, you know, change is possible. So showing you how to create change. So there's a lot of, you know, just check out the links in my bio on Instagram or my website, heatherchauvin.com. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.